Hey, I'm Josh. Hey, I'm Kiana. And And this this is is Eight Limbs Limbs of Fury, a podcast where we talk about the ups and downs of daily yoga practice, life on capitalist nightmare planet, the threads between spiritual practice and activism, and what role yoga might play in these revolutionary times. We are two young leftists practicing Ashtanga yoga six days a week. And we are here to give a perspective on what's happening in the world as we discover our own spirituality and get more woke by the minute. Okay, we're rolling. Are we on now? We're rolling. All right. Uh, Hello. Hello. Beautiful day. It's Friday in Tucson, Arizona. Well, I guess everywhere in the world it's Friday right now. No. Not ever. Not not everywhere right now it's Friday. It's um, just now 10 a.m., coming on to 10 a.m. hour. Well, in India, it would be almost midnight tonight. Oh, shit. Right. Mm. But Australia. In, so in Australia, it'd be tomorrow already. Australia is already Saturday. Yeah. Wow. Yep. A couple hours earlier, and you would have been right. What's the future like, Australia? <laughs> That's what I I used to hate the, well, you guys, I don't know if you remember that, but Dick Clark's ball that dropped on New Year's Eve, and it happened at 11, because it was in New York. Right. So we didn't have it at midnight. Oh. But then they showed the Australia one an hour at 10 o'clock, because it had happened already, like, 10 hours before that or something. Ah, 18 hours before Mm -hmm. something like that. Right. Um, Yeah, no, and growing up in Georgia, we always, we caught it at midnight because it's the same time zone Mm -hmm. as New York City. But I remember always, like, tuning into the television and seeing, like, they would always show L.A. and they're partying because it's still 9 p.m. and, like, everybody's, like, way more excited at that point. Yeah. This is Eight Limbs of Fury, a podcast about... Um, the crossroads between yoga, revolution, and uh, current events in the times of our lives. And I'm sure there'll be many other topics we'll discuss on this podcast. Uh, but we're here sitting with, we, here sitting with our guest Satinder Seen Khalsa. Um, Satinder Sat Seen Khalsa. We There's talked this, about this yesterday. We talked about this yesterday. <laughs> we, st- we tried recording yesterday. We attempted yesterday. the podcast already and yes, it didn't, we, didn't work. <laughs> it's the second go. We started this and uh, CenturyLink has been not with us lately. <laughs> not at all. So we're here. Take four <laughs> today. Take two, I think. Well, oh, technically. Um, yeah. Uh, beautiful, beautiful July 17th day. Um, I think I said it's coming on. Let's see, 9:48 a.m. and it's 98 degrees. And this is the reality of a Sonoran desert. Is it summer? We Probably just try to do everything degrees. we can before it hits 100 right. in the day, and then once it hits 100, it's like 100. I'm okay. I I discovered I can take a walk until 102. After that, I get sick mm-hmm. and uh-huh. dehydrated. But if it's like 100 to 102, I'm okay. That, you know, that that shows well that you've adjusted to Arizona. I Be- mean, India's hot. Sure. So I'm used to heat, but the dryness is what gets me. Mm-hmm. But the humidity has been here a little bit the past few days, so it's, it's, helped, nice. it's, been, it's helped a lot. I got heat poisoning a couple times as a kid in Phoenix, just playing, running outside in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then being like, oh, wow, I was not supposed to be outside in, yeah. in that. The heat didn't bother me as a kid, but I get sun poisoning a lot. Oh, I, that could it would, have been Because I swam. At, uh, we belonged to a pool when I was a teenager, uh-huh. and I would the chlorine would get in the sunburn, and then I would have a, a big reaction on my nose. It happened two or three times. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. 
the Midwest is not better weather. It's just <laughs> different. <laughs> why do people live in the Midwest? Yeah, why I do have, people live in the Midwest? You, so I've wait, left. To clarify, so I, don't, I don't know. You, you grew up there. Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Illinois, but the Illinois part is right across the river from St. Louis. So, like, when you get of the age to uh, get your driver's permit or something, you would be excited to be able to drive to St. Louis, you know. Sure. So I moved to St. Louis when I turned. I turned 18 one Friday, graduated high school the next Friday, and then two weeks later I moved to St. Louis. Hmm. Oh, cool. Because I had a job over there and I was driving over there anyway. Right. Yeah. And how yeah. far away was that from where you grew up? Um, depending on traffic, 45 minutes to an hour. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mom's out in the country. Mm-hmm. It's not. She wouldn't call it the country because it feels like a city because there's tons of little towns that are all right. packed up to each other. Right. But it's not a city. It's interesting. Georgia, It's. it sounds like similar to Georgia or similar to where I grew up because I grew up like an hour outside of downtown Atlanta. Once again, depending on the traffic, you could get there in 45 minutes if you right. caught all the green lights through Riverdale. Um. But I and I similarly I called it like the country growing growing up as a kid. I was like, I live out in the country, but now I understand it as an adult, like and I understand geography and how like places and Well see, now mine's the opposite. I call it the country now, but then I didn't call it the oh, country. Oh really? You like you saw it for what would, it was. You didn't say that then. Sure. You, people didn't even go to St. Louis. I mean that's the thing with that area is I met people when I started teaching yoga, I was I was back in Illinois for a little while. Um, 20 minutes from St. Louis, but I knew people who came to my yoga class 20 minutes from the city who had never driven there because it was the big city and they were scared of it. <laughs> you were scared of it. Well, yeah. cause it's like, but how y'all drive over there? You know, they didn't, they didn't know. I'm like, you get in your car and you go, and, you know, same <laughs> rules apply. Same, it's the same rules. You're not, you know, if you go to some other country, that's diff. then it's changed. But here it's the same everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. They were scared, though. That speaks volumes to, like, uh, scared conservatism outside of United States cities. Yeah. Just like, or just, like, misunderstanding. Sure. I think broadly we call that fear. Mm. A little bit being scared. Well, that's, you know, the sutras say everything stems from abhinidvesha, which is fear of death. Fear mm. of death. Fear of death causes fear of everything else. Because sure. you think that's going to kill me. So they think the traffic is going to be so bad that I'll die in the traffic. Anytime you think you're going to die, you get a you create a some scar around it, you know. Mm-hmm. I I read that on your post this that last week or something about meditating on death. Mm. And the first time I heard those words meditating on death, I thought like, "Oh, how morbid. These people want to die." I like, did too. Oh my gosh, what are they doing? And then I actually did it once. And I didn't know I was doing it. I was in a yoga class and the teacher did a nidra where we pictured every part of our body decomposing. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel so good. Mm-hmm. I don't know what about well, it. Well, it's, it's your learning, your thinking, you're living in that everything's impermanent. There is impermanence all around us. Nothing that's physical lasts, mm-hmm. you know. The tree's leaves fall off. The tree dies. The, the You know, rocks even wear down to where they go away. So it's it's... Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's uh, it scared me too at first, but I I went to Varanasi, where people do it all the time because Varanasi has all the ghats along the Ganga that where they burn bodies, and one of them is never stopped burning bodies for seven thousand years. Mani, oh uh, Mani Karnika ghat. 
and I went there and the heat, you can feel the heat coming before you see the ghat because it's around the corner because the heat is just, it's, but it's not heat. It's like energy. You know what I mean? Mm. The energy of the body, leave the spirit leaving the body. Mm. They even have rituals where the, um, the oldest son, I don't know how it goes if it's not the son because it's, you know, the patriarchal things existed oh, from we'll, get into that. well it didn't used to it didn't used to be that way but we can that's the that's a different influence that's it anyway the um they have to step on the skull because they believe like where the pituitary is in there is where the spirit is attached to the physical body so the sun has to crack the skull to release the spirit so it can go on to the spirit wow. world yeah but they and they do that at the the gut you yeah, called it at yeah. the gut so the yeah. eldest son of the family if it's like of the whoever fall. the dead person is whoever <laughs> the dead person is goes there and to the, it's, is it a stomp or is it a it's a stomp it's a stomp, <laughs> it's a stomp. and they what have boots so, on and oh, boots are they wow. special boots or any kind of boots no I don't know. There's, I have no. You, you, I would think myself. I would want steel-toed boots. Right. Because I'd be there on the platform, Doc Martin. It's hot. Sure. But Stop I meditated skulls. there, and you could see agoris. Agoris are the stem of yoga people that uh, they sit on a dead body and meditate and do mantras, and they believe that the energy comes into the body and it reanimates sometimes. Wow. But they're there. You can see them doing it. So I sat and meditated for a while, and just watched and really observed. And it's it's. You know, I had already been doing that before, but when you go to a place where it's been happening for thousands of years, the energy is just different. Incredible. I wow. could only imagine. I got to say, like, hearing that, my first, ins- like, my first instinctual feeling is just this, like, uncomfortable gut <coughs> feeling at the thought of watching somebody stomp their parents' skull and and then burn their body and just like this place where that the I would call it maybe destruction is happening like all the time and but I've learned recently that it's important to do the things that make me feel uncomfortable and so I I kind of respect that yeah and it's really just it's not about that that's the difference in the people there is for the most part now they mourn when someone dies but for the most part the, this isn't what they worry about. You the physical know? flesh. It's the it's the spirit and the state of your spirit, mm-hmm. all the all the time. Where here in the Christian f- culture, they uh, worry about after you die where you're sure. going. Right. Mm-hmm. The Indians kind of live it, and it's like all the time because karma is there, and you don't want to invoke bad karma. You know. Right. You want to just put things out there that bring good stuff your way. So it's a it's a it's a different approach to life than we have anyway, so. Mm-hmm. And death. Life is death. Mm. Same thing. To them, yeah. it's the same thing, yeah. you know, I think. I've, I've kind of, because living is, you're dying D- now. We're, we're dying You're right dying now. right now. <laughs> There's decay <laughs> happening in our body. Flesh cells are coming off of your body at this moment. That means your body is dying. Oh you know? my God, I never thought about it that way. That's so I think true. about that all the time. Every, yeah, cells in our bodies are dying all the time and being reborn. Right. So we are a microcosm of the macrocosm, you know. It's when crazy. I started doing yoga, someone said to me, if it was like, let me think about it. It was uh, 
Like the cells in your body are like the planets in the universe. The cells, when you get in there at microscopic, that, at that level, they're that far apart, mm-hmm. 93 million miles. You right. know, they're this many. So there's all this space. We're really more space than we are anything else. Right. And so when every, if you think about that, the universe, physically, if you're thinking about it on a physical level, we could be a part of a body of another body. Mm-hmm. You know, right. So, but you know, we're if we're part of another body, we're a cell that's going to die. <laughs> it's just that body's so big, it's going to be millions of years or something. You know, right. So it's always about the the circ the cycle. Uh huh. Life and death are just part of each other. You know, if you're born, you're going to die. I mean, that makes me think of because I have this background in. Um, <coughs> Bachelor of Science now, officially, um, I guess. Officially, Kiana graduated <laughs> college in uh, May, 2020. Um, yeah, but it makes me think about that law of energy that it just can't ever be created or destroyed. It just constantly shifts, takes a new form. Right, shifts form. And yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea. And there's, if you think about, I don't know where, that was around the same time. People said all this shit to me because I'm deep. And everybody threw all the deep stuff at me. And I'm like, nah, you know, my brain couldn't handle it because I was just a little stupid gay boy from the Midwest who didn't, who was wanting to know, but you can't throw all the info at once, you know, your brain will explode. Right. And they were talking about, you know, if you also think about everything on this planet is came from a star that exploded and our bodies form out of the earth and the earth is made up of ash from a star that exploded millions of light years away you know and that's science yeah I mean there's so much crossover between like this kind of spiritual thought and science yeah because we're talking about like what are we made of I mean quantum physics is all it's all spiritual stuff I studied that for a long time you did wow I don't know anything not officially but on my own that's interesting I've heard like Neil deGrasse Tyson speaking to that um uh about how like well, no, it was it was on a Russell Brand podcast, and Neil deGrasse Tyson. I love Russell Brand. Russell Brand's amazing. Yes. Russell he's so great. amazing. But he's, he goes there. Everybody's scared to go there, but he's not. He just, he's he's he definitely going there. there. So he went there with Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he was like, hey, Neil deGrasse Tyson, so you're telling me that the Vedas, thousands of years ago, when they were talking about the cosmos and this and that and blah, 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 you're telling me that, they're, that they were wrong or that... Or whatever you know that they weren't onto something, and he and Neil DeGra- Neil. I'm gonna just call him Neil and try to say yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, that's a long. It's a long. <laughs> it's a long thing. Neil and Neil says he was like he was like well they had he basically validated said that they had some truth to what they were saying and, and science only further proved it and he was going like science is serving us as this vehicle to to discover this ancient knowledge of spirituality that like Hindu folks were tapping into thousands of years ago, Buddhists as well. And um, and science is like proving that and, and theorizing that. So it it almost, to me it raises the the uh, question uh, and ideas of like uh, you know we're talking about the soul leaving the body a minute ago. Like how far away from me in si- uh, in science are we from like finding that soul, pr- proving it or not proving but why it, do but we observing need to? it. I don't know. You know, science started as some king. Where did I read that? Some kings at some time before recorded history sent these people to find proof of God. And that's what science is. Sure. It started as trying to find physical proof. 
And then it all evolved into all these different things that it is now, you know, test tubes and measuring this and measuring that because... So I think they got into the minutia of everything instead of staying into the oneness, the wholeness of sure. everything. You know? They tried to split it apart and break it up right. as opposed to it created seeing all just the separation. broad picture. Right, just observing it and going, I see, I see that, I feel that for what it is. Right. Instead, they were like, no, we're going to dive into it, dissect it, pick it apart, and a- analyze it on the visual And level. that just fucked it up. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking if terrible. If you ask me, that's patriarchy, right? That's like, and I'm not talking patriarchy in this, like, s- masculine sense. I don't want to combine the two. I'm talking patriarchy as, like, a system. Um, and, like, these days, a system that, is greatly imbalanced. Um, and I, I, that I've really like, I've been thinking a lot about that lately of like, why don't people, why can't people just feel this connectedness, like feel into, um, the spirit of doing things and like being happy and being joyful and content. And it's like, we do get caught up on the minutia of our lives. I don't know. I but think it's because of the science, the science and it's yeah. because we've been trained not to trust how we feel. Right how we feel mm. is like oh if you don't know by that you know you have to take your temperature to make sure you've got a fever I'm like but I feel like I'm sick you know mm. right. can I just trust that I'm sick right. <laughs> or, but you have to do all the things well you should take this pill to create that or this pill to create this and it's uh, it all came from science though right Yeah. and feeling is what it's all about that's the whole the Abraham stuff I've studied for a long time their whole thing is feeling how you feel when you're thinking a certain thing and that will tell you if you're going this the right way or the wrong way for you wow yeah because you feel it in your solar plexus your emotions are there in the solar plexus yeah that's that's something they say and you know butterflies feel it in your gut those sayings have been around for years you know so it's like but But we have to re-tap into doing that because how long have we you know how long I was a sensitive kid and no one could help me figure out how to deal with that. So I started drinking when I was a teenager <laughs> so I could dull the senses, sure. you know, because I didn't mm-hmm. want to feel it because nobody could help me do it. Mm-hmm. And then I, this yoga teacher um, in St. Louis, I, I taught at her studio off and on a few different times over the years. And one time she said to me, I just started Kundalini, like um, got certified in it and was teaching it more. And Kundalini... All yoga does it, but Kundalini really attacks one point and makes makes it wake up really quickly, uh-huh. I think. And I was just like raw and emotional all the time. And she said, oh, that's great. And I'm like, what are you fucking crazy? <laughs> you know? she, she's like, no, you, the goal is to be an open, raw wound all the time. You feel everything and you sit back and you get to observe that thing. And from that ob- observance, you notice, oh, maybe this is where I should do with my life yeah. and, you know and it's the same thing that Abraham says but just in a different different yeah. way so it's, it's uh, that's interesting in, that's interesting yeah because I, I when I think of like feeling emotions um, when I think of feeling emotions yeah it's like I consider it healthy to like release them again right away like they feel I feel them they come through me and I like process them in that moment and let them go but it's when I reject that, like, expression of my emotion. It's when I, like, push it down. Then it makes me just feel, like, shitty all, all the well, time. I was having it this morning. I was right. feeling, after class, I felt great. I hate doing, like, class. But when I do it, I always end up feeling, like, 
because it works me through some, you know, right, it gets me out of my own head. Right. I have to stay with this. I have to watch you guys. So I really feel like clear and clean after that. And then one little thing, don't doesn't matter what it was. It's just that one little thing got stuck in there. And I was like, no, that's not the way. And rather than just feel it and let it kind of, okay, I feel like shit right now. I just need to let it be there. Right. I was trying to push it away, and when you do that, it goes deeper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've I've been noticing along the along that line of thought, um, kind of like my own tendencies in my own body with dealing with knee pain right now, because I've um, I've been dealing with knee pain since I was like 11 years old, like from from skateboarding and playing baseball and just being active and stuff. Um, but now pra- practicing lead class today, I had this experience of going like like moaning and groaning and getting into it and like wincing and like trying to protect my knee and whatever and it would maybe be like count two or three and I'd be like okay I'm gonna go into the pose now but once I was there and just let go into the yeah. into the posture came into Mula Bunda, came into that the alignment happened and shifted and, and then you forget about your knee and then the knee fucking feels better yeah. I feel my femur That's twist out I always out say to you <laughs> You have to quit identifying with your knee pain. I know. Mm. I, know. I know that it's there, but if you can not identify with it, sure. like, oh, there it is. I see it. I feel it. Okay, whatever. And just do the thing anyway, mm. rather than get stuck trying to get into the posture so you don't hurt your knee, you want to do everything perfectly. Right. And I never, I never really got that before until I started going to Mysore because I hate lead classes. And um, my second trip... I got my back popped out in my SI joint, the same one that bothers me now. Right. Um, and I couldn't function very well. And Shrat saw it on my face and came and said, you know, are you okay? And I, he saw that I wasn't okay. And he's just take it easy. So I, I practiced. But um, after that, I got, when I, I had a guy do Thai massage and he popped my SI joint, just one movie did. And it just freed it up. And I felt amazing because mm. it had been two months. I was in Mysore for three months. And a month and a half of it, I was suffering through right. this. Right. Suffering oh. every day. Yeah. On it was suffering. terrible. He, let, he told me, stay at home and practice if you want to. Or do it. Come here and do it slower. Skip lead classes. You know, and all that stuff. But after that, I thought, okay, I have to find a new approach to doing these lead classes if I'm going to do them. Now, admittedly, the last time I was there, I assisted him August of 2018 for that month um, I only went to three lead classes <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of is okay with it because I think he doesn't want my back to go out and he has that fear that it's going to go out I did too but but I've gotten to a point where I, I grumble to myself the whole time I'm because back then you had to wait in line and you were piled down this street for a mile because he started making people wait in line rather than just shove and fight to get in the gate because pe- he was like, this is not yogic, you know. Right. right. Make a make a queue. You right. all get in a queue. And then I would be like, oh, I fucking hate this, you know, my mind. And <laughs> mm-hmm. and then I would get in there and it would take me about the fifth Surya Namaskara A before I could get out of my head. And then I totally was fine. Because, you know, you just get out of your head. Right. You do what he says. You don't have to think about it. And then I would just, oh, everything feels fine. Yeah, you just like, it's something about the lead class experience of having somebody else just taking care of the counting mm-hmm. and, and the cues of, of where to send the awareness. And gosh, it really just opened up. Yeah. I think this is a great chance to, to kind of talk about, to like anyone who's listening who doesn't know, like the diff, some of the differences between the way we practice Ashtanga yoga 
Mysore style Ashtanga yoga um, versus like modern American drop in yoga classes. Because I don't know anything about those, so you're going to have to do that part of it. <laughs> right. I mean, when we're here talking about I taught many drop-in yoga classes. And, and I did, too. And it kind I of, just, we're here talking about pain and, like, kind of just saying down. not identifying it um, or not identifying with it and just kind of keeping with the breath and moving through and staying out of our head with it. That's very different than... I mean, I took a 200-hour teacher training. I loved it. But when we talk about teaching public tr- classes where sh- basically strangers are dropping in and they experience any pain in any pose at all, it's like, get out of it. Don't do that. And maybe don't ever take, do that pose. Take a child's or, pose. Take maybe a child's that's not pose. for you. There's <laughs> always like, oh, if you ever get worn out, take a child's pose. I remember when I started teaching Ashtanga again, when I came back to it I, after my little break, and I was teaching a couple of those blood classes where drop-ins would happen. And the lady was like, oh, if this is too much, I'll just take, I'll just, I'll just take a child's pose. That's what they always tell me. I said, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. You kind of be with it, you know, and breathe and seal it. out. And, uh, oh, oh, oh. And she left. She didn't, she she didn't yeah. want to be you know, there. She wanted to be coddled and, right, and snuggled up in a blanket, and you know. What does that say? I'm not saying, okay, if you've ever taken a child's pose, like, shame on you. I mean, I've done that, too, for a long time. But it was when I started being taught that I don't need to identify with my discomfort in that way and, like, move out of it. There, and this is kind of a radical thought, right? Because we... We teach this nurturing component is like important in our society. I think we just talked about that with like patriarchy, but there is a balance there of like, yes, I can actually handle this discomfort, right? I mean, I'm studying to become a birth doula. We talk about birth, pain and birth go hand in hand. You can't. Well, it's have also one death. It goes back to the death we sure. talked about. Right? Yeah, I think that's definitely one of like the one of the biggest things that I've gotten from yoga practice throughout my life. Um, through the five years of practicing yoga that I've done is that um, it's okay to feel uncomfortable and in fact it's uh, even better if you can push past it just a bit <laughs> in, a, in a healthy way the, but then there's the American mentality of oh, fuck, pushing go, through go, it go, you gotta go uh, through it yeah. and it's like that's not right either you yeah. know you have to figure out okay what you have to learn is to feel it is this too much do I need to stop mm-hmm. or can I modify it and go to the next thing mm-hmm. but are you but when you're doing all that you're thinking also you're not breathing and just right. going through it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you can breathe and go through it it's kind of almost like all the little things go away yeah if you get out of your own head about it you mm-hmm. know and, and so you just feel it and breathe and move and feel mm-hmm. it's a delicate uh it's a delicate walk i i i think in my experience trying to find the space between those two areas maybe there's not a space between those two areas it's either like you're either with your breath in the yoga or you're in your or you're mind not. or you're not right i think there that's is how no I space in it. between yeah you're so right about that it's 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 kind of either or yeah it's i yeah honestly that changes every day for me <laughs> it's like what can i handle today <laughs> like i heard one some someone one time told me i don't even remember who that if you can't breathe calmly in the pose then you then if you're feeling discomfort in, to where you can't breathe, then you get out of it. Because breathing's the point, right? Right. Then you get out of it and you find 
a similar shape that you can breathe in that day. But the breath is the measure, not the mind being like, oh, I need to be soft right now. And, you know, there's always a time for that, but... Well, and I find when I'm doing practice, if I'm having one of those days where maybe the day before I was overstimulated or whatever, so I was kind of like this, gripped, mm-hmm. you know. Gripped. My breath is clenched. already clenched. The breath is gone. It's So the next morning, the practice will suck. Right. And I have days where I'll go through it and it gets better. I'll have days where I'm like, I ain't fucking doing this. You know, right. mm-hmm. it's not going to serve no, me to keep this. going. This is awful. Because I get to a point where I hurt myself. Right. Like I did a couple weeks ago. And I was like, I'm so going to do this. It's going to happen. And then and I thought, oh, click. oh, just like that. Then I couldn't do it. You know, mm-hmm. I did finish practice, but I had to do it in a very different way. And I was lucky I had woken up early enough that I could do it. Cause like this, like some mornings I have where, you know, I in my, I know where the snooze, the snooze is in the middle of my phone, but now I can touch it. You know, in my sleep (laughs) and I'll hit it like I can hit the snooze two times and get up and have time to do everything I do. Uh But if I hit it three, four, five times, I've lost it, you know? Right. And so I'm like, okay, well I get to practice what I can fit into this time now. You know, I don't get to do a whole thing. And that's usually the day when I feel like, oh, I could go for this and do everything. And you know, that's the days when you've hit the snooze many yeah, times. Like, right. I feel that good because I slept longer. <laughs> <laughs> Ashanga is um, a practice of finding the balance between bliss and suffering. Yeah. <laughs> well, it it's like is. looking at the suffering and being okay with it, I think, is right. part of it. That's, what it. that's what it's doing, you know. It's not that's letting so you get in your comfort zone. It's yeah. letting you... Forcing you out of your comfort Forcing zone. Forcing you consistently adding. Right when you feel comfortable with the last pose, the teacher adds another one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Or sometimes more. Patabi used to give a lot of postures at once. I, one day, some girl didn't even know the intermediate name. So she was like, but she was an acrobat in England. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Trapeze artist. Trapeze artist. And just bendy, but also strong. I've never yeah. seen someone like her. And he came I up to her. I know the type. She, can just, do, she finished primary that day, and did, he said, now do dropbacks. So she did it, and, and about a week later, he came and said, do this posture. He named five postures because he just knew she could do them. Right. And she came and said, I don't know what these are. <laughs> can you tell me, you know, what was my point? Why did I start going on her? What um. were you talking about? Giving postures, kind of overwhelming comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, she got overwhelmed by it, but it was, like, in a week she was fine because it was easy for her. Yeah. Right. So sometimes uh, one posture is enough, and sometimes five postures isn't enough. Like, yeah. she got fine really quick, so he gave her more in two weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, we're all so different. You just have to know. You have to be willing to, as, an, as a practitioner, more than a teacher... You have to be willing to be okay letting your person practicing next to you do something else than you're doing. And it's like, well, I can do that. Why aren't they letting me do that? You know? Well, and you're not ready for that. Right. But you don't know it. Right. That okay, do like, it and let's see. Let's see you go. And that, then you, like, get all fucked up. <laughs> right, exactly. Which, I mean, that was a big thing for me starting Ashtanga. I was like, I want to be able to put my legs behind my head. Oh, it yeah, was like definitely. a totally... Um, well, material want for me doing a job. It was like want. my goal this year is to put my legs behind my head by the end of the year. That's and it's the like whole I get I there. Right. That's and why before I, I can uh, even Asana, get 
Austin is cool. It's like the it's really cool to to be like, oh, look at this like super bendy, flexy, strong, like floaty stuff that you can. That, yeah. That is Ashanga yoga. What I'm realizing. So right now I'm teaching postpartum yoga. Um, to my sister. She's Josh's had a baby. Sister, yeah. And what I'm realizing though too is that it's just like. For a lot of people, the mind puts limitations on the body. You know what I mean? And they I can actually. I wouldn't say for a lot. I'd say for everybody. For everybody. For everybody? Yeah. That's I the mean, human condition. I guess so. Yeah, but especially fear? for someone that's just had that's a fear baby. Fear of death. That's fear of death. Oh my gosh, you're so right, huh? Back to it. Fear of death. Yeah. Fear of dropping back because the you're gonna die. You're, you're gonna, gonna hit your die. Head and die. <laughs> <laughs> your hands will not catch you. You will surely split your head open and bleed out. On your rug. Oh, my god! Before you can be wheeled off to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. That totally is. It's like I'm going to hit I'm gonna hit my face in the ground and die when I do Bacostana. Yep. That's <laughs> yeah. the same thing. But, yeah, what I'm seeing is, like, with someone who's just gone through giving birth, like, having a baby. Um, <coughs> and th- as the time, you know, goes on after that, I would say that's a traumatic experience. Giving mm. birth is traumatic. Um from what I've learned, at least. I haven't done it. Well, I've been born. <laughs> Birth, the original trauma for <laughs> mother and child. Um, it's true. It's very, yeah. very true. But <laughs> what I'm seeing is, like, every little step away from that and into, like, strength and, like, into, I think, just taking recontrol of the body and stuff like that after that is just such a... It's wonderful to see because it's very, it builds a lot of confidence, builds a lot of confidence. And I think that's important. But I also think women who've had the baby are like, okay, nothing's as bad as that. Mm-hmm. So they have this, they have the, they have less fear of other things after sure. that. And then they're only worried about the child, right? Well, and it depends on the birth experience. Um, I could talk about this for hours, but like. A lot of, the, birth can be very traumatic, especially in the United States. I think especially birth is always it's a trauma to your physical body yeah to the one giving birth it's also a trauma to the thing squeezing through that little spot yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) i don't want kids the babies i I mean think about the baby squeezing out through that space and rips her open sometimes you know i was talking to our roommate rocks about this the other day and i was like okay so you're in your warm watery wet like cocoon basically and then all of a sudden your head is like elongating as you go through this canal I was like that's and then you get out and there's all these lights and well they used to spank you when they pulled you out hold you by a leg and spanked you and then you screamed because what are you doing to me I was all nice and cozy in that spot and you've don't they still My, do that? They give them a slap on the, on if the back? If they're not crying. They if they're do. not crying. I think they do the foot or something. They twack oh. their foot. Oh, the way Maybe. you were just flicking your finger there, I would imagine. I imagine the doctor flipping the baby, like, in their genitals or something. No, on the foot. <laughs> <laughs> on just, the bottom of their foot. That's what I was just imagining. Yeah. A doctor, like, flicking a little kid in its balls. But. The doctor almost dropped me. My mom's. Are you sure they didn't? <laughs> I don't know. My mom will have to verify yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she um, always told me they didn't drop me, but... Right. Um, so that's wonderful. Sadender, you want to like give a little of your background, maybe? Oh my God, I don't even know what that means. We're on the podcast, so it's like, do you want to share your story? What's your story? I'm gonna ask you that. What's your story? I have to. You can lie to us if you want. You can lie to everybody listening. My story is 
there's a lot. So it's, you know, I don't know. I was a shy kid. I hid behind my mom's leg. Really? I wouldn't talk to people. Yeah, I still am. Oh, right. I wouldn't talk to people. And so the first experience I remember, and I remember it, was the doctor. We had an old school doctor. He was like 80-something. I'll tell you about him in a minute, too. But he told her, you have to... Like, my favorite thing was on Friday, you'd go to McDonald's if we were good all week, and we'd get a Happy Meal, and we'd get to play, and I loved that Happy Meal, and I wanted that. The doctor said, have him order his own Happy Meal next time. And I remember her, like, she was so upset by it, because Mom didn't like to make me do anything (laughs) that I didn't want to do. And I remember being this tall, and the, the counter is here, and I was being Up like, to your eyes. I want a happy meal. Yeah. <laughs> happy and they couldn't hear me because the counter was here, you know. And so mom just ordered it and all that. And then when I was about 14, the same doctor, I had um, migraines because I was holding everything in because I was shy and I wasn't expressing myself. And I was always scared to come out and do things in front of people where my sister, she's like a show hog, you know, she'll do anything in front of people. For attention. Sorry, Chai is making me belch. <laughs> That's fine. Um, and he, the doctor made asked my mom to leave the room, and he wanted to talk to me. And he said, "If you don't quit holding in all your emotions, you're going to get an aneurysm." I didn't know what that was, so he explained it to me. And I was like, "I'm not. I don't want to die." So then I started I don't letting myself, letting it come out. You know. Mm-hmm. And I would go to school, and I started. That's when I started cursing and started being outspoken. It took me a lot of years to do it. Sure. I drank for a lot of years also because then I was more ballsy when I drank. Mm-hmm. Did you start drinking really young? I was thirteen the first time I had a drink. Yeah. And then, but really, like full time, four, five, six days a week was. I was seventeen or eighteen. Mm. I moved out. I was eighteen. Um. Uh. So that was the start of getting me like I am, and my mom kind of wishes I stayed back a little bit instead of being quite as <laughs> quite vocal as and aggressive as I can be now. <laughs> but she used to come watch me teach at the park. No, teaching at the park, even after I started teaching, I was in my 30s, and I would still get sick. I'd quit drinking a lot, just every once in a while. I would still get sick of nerves driving all the way to the park to teach uh-huh. and I would have to stop at a gas station and take a dump or something oh take a dump yeah. oh, I, because yeah. my nerves would just be like I, I can mm-hmm. handle it but once I started I was fine and I thought okay as long as I can make it to the class I'll be fine once I start talking and I, I always have been like that mm-hmm. and is this when you were teaching in the park what we in read St. the Louis? article of yeah and you had like a hundred some people there no that was the first by the, so the first year we had 25 people come a week, every week. And that's pretty good, though. That's the sizable. next year, the average was 50. And then about wow. eight years down the line, it was 200. And then they did an article in the paper, that article also, and a TV interview. And then I started having 400 people every week. Wow. wow. So when I went to India the first time, I had a GoFundMe for everything, but I ended up I didn't need as much money because I was having 400 people come and I was making I was making for an hour class six seven hundred dollars oh my god that's insane 
just people throwing in two dollars. Right. And if people really donated, like a five or ten, yeah, I made you know I made. Good You're money. really coming in. Yeah. Wow. wow. There's some old pictures that my friend's daughter was a baby, and she would always crawl over and try and take my money. And one day, I just we got our foreheads together. My friend took a picture of it, and it just looks so cute because she's like, if you watch, we're looking right in each other's eyes. And I'm holding the jar because I was pulling the money out to count it. Uh-huh. And she's got one of her hands going in the jar. Uh-huh. <laughs> I tried to steal it, and that was the best That's picture. so cute. But I, it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. But I'm, I'm kind of, I was raised, my mom's not a strict Christian, like, but we went to church three times a week because that's what she thought we were supposed three to do. Three times a week is a fair amount. Sunday morning. No, but she, like, my mom isn't, like, a Bible thumper. She won't sure. go preach to people. And, you know, she went because she thought she was supposed to. Right. And in the Midwest, right. what, what, what's one to do, really, with their free time? No, there's lots to do. But it's drinking and having sex. Drinking sex. Going to church. So Praying to God. We went three times a week, you know. Um... So I always had that, but, and I was always interested in, like, Jesus, I always thought. Like, that's, why, that's when I read about Jesus possibly or probably had spent time in India. I thought, that makes sense, because he, I didn't know what the word yogi meant in the 70s when I heard about Jesus, but it sounded like a, a yogi to me, you know? Yeah. He's just a peaceful guy and um, who kind of knew his own power, you know, to a degree. Yeah. So it just... Uh, it, I already had that deep spiritual thing. So when I started practicing yoga and I read about there's eight limbs and I read about all this spiritual stuff and I'm, you know, then if you get into the Indian stuff, you can get screwed up because there's so many different things. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to let come to you what comes to you right. and not go looking for everything. And I was going and looking for everything because I just wanted something so bad. I wanted to find something, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was shy and I was 30 and I had a, relationship break up because of yoga because I was changing and he didn't want any part of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's just, there's, I wanted more, but I wanted more because now I know it because I'm 50, but I don't think I knew it then. I wanted to feel that connection inside as often as possible, you know? Mm-hmm. Because when you feel that, you don't really need all the outside stuff so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The I days know. where I'm really connected, I, I, won't, I won't post anything on any social media. or I, I'll just be like, I'll go out and take a walk in nature and feel amazing. Or I used to go to this park that's close and sit when it's cool enough, <laughs> sit mm-hmm. and read for hours and not even know. And they'd come and like, oh, the park's closing. I'm like, oh, okay. You know. Wow. But then those days where you're less connected, you're like looking through, you know, right. scrolling through everything. For something, <laughs> something to fulfill you. you yeah. want to it feels like there's a hole and you don't want that hole to be there. So you try to fill it up with things. Wow. You know, food for some people. Yeah, mm-hmm. fri- the, usual, the usual Friday morning uh, filling of the self was donuts for, for me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Just getting donuts every Friday morning. Mm. We used to go, my part, this partner and I, when we started yoga, we did together. We would go to yoga class, which is a very strange yoga class. What kind of yoga class? I can't even tell you. It was called, uh, they had this guy who came from France who had learned in India, and he spread this stuff, and you would do, like, they called them psychophysicals, but it was like kundalini yoga for an hour. Then you were supposed to go down in the basement and take a cold shower and put on all white clothes, and you came up and laid down in Shavasana, and they talked you through yoga nidra, then you did 12 to 18 postures. 
no shavasana at the end, and then you left. Weird. In the middle sometime, they would do some kind of a talk. But we would leave there and go to Krispy Kreme Donuts <laughs> and just get a dozen of some. I would get, I, they used to have sour cream ones that were kind of fluffy. Yeah. I love those. They had sour cream in the batter. Oh, they don't do that anymore, they don't do no. they? I don't know. I don't go to, I haven't I been to Krispy Kreme for years. Like. That um, yoga class you just described sounded very similar to what they used to do at uh, the Rajneesh Param cult. But I'm just saying, it just sounds it just sounds very similar. It's, what was missing? You know, all was back the, then was really similar because that was in the 70s, 60s, 70s. That's what yoga was when it came over here. Sure. Iyengar was the first one who did like really proper postural yoga in the 70s. Yeah. You know, yeah. at the YMCA, and that was popular there because at the Y they wanted a physical workout. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what you're going there for. Right. But that was what most people did back then, and this place had been in St. Louis since 1968. It was the same program. Wow. And the thing was, is there was one lady who, they had teachers all volunteered. They did everything free. Checks there out. There would be 40, you paid $30 for a month. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Each teacher had their own kind of style. And there was one lady, Diane McMahon or McCameron, something like that. She had red hair. She was 73 years old. And she would kick your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were like... And she was doing, like, I remember she did, like, Upayapanagrishtas, and she had us doing that and then, and then move this way and hold it. And we were doing that for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> and she was doing it while Standing? she was turning our head, yell, yelling at us, doing the posture and talking to us. And we were like, I want to be like that old lady. When I, I can't I, wait to I'm be like, that old I want to be the tough old lady <laughs> who can stay in that posture for ten minutes and yeah. yell at everyone in the room for coming out of it. You know. I really hope I become that old man yogi. That's just like strong, flexible, seventy-five. Yeah. Doing handstand dropbacks, TikToks, and stuff. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a guy, Clint Barber, who he lives in a cave on Crete, the island of Crete. Where's that? Wow, Greece. Greece. Oh, yeah. Greece. Oh, um, in the Mediterranean. He is from Arkansas, and he practiced Arkansas. somewhere like Arkansas. I can't, somewhere like that. There's a group of people who practice with him that still have a yoga studio in Arkansas. Um, he's 80-something now, and he still does practice, and there's some pictures of him. I'll find it on my phone when we're, when we're done and show yeah. it to you, of, of in Utplutahi with his white dreadlocks and his white long beard. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he does art now. He has a face. Someone Maybe made him a, a Facebook page, and too. he does mandala art, yeah. and he puts it on, and then they put it on Facebook for him, and he sells stuff that way. That's wonderful. Does his cave we'll get Wi-Fi? To, um, no. The cave doesn't have Wi-Fi. No. Dang. We'll, Josh, we'll have why to put, do I see um, this being you? It could be me. <laughs> In white dreadlocks living in a cave. You could. I don't know if I'd go with dreadlocks. Oh. I think I'd go shaved head in my old age. Because right now I have long hair. I've had long hair as a teenager. It was growing, grew long. But I, kn- I know it. In, in practice, many times, this happens all the time, where I'm like, I fucking hate this hair on my head. I'm going to get rid of it one day. I just read an article about hair yesterday and how the Native Americans, that was a very part big part of the spiritual side of their life is growing the hair and not cutting it. Mm. And then the yogis also, they compared the two yogis as you get in, when you get initiated with your guru in, in uh, like in the way they used to do it, when you would follow them around through the Himalayas and stuff, you shaved your head and everything and you never cut it again right. until your guru died. Then you shaved it off again and then you never cut it again after that. Mm. So the hair is supposed to draw energy from the sun and balance out stuff inside your body. And then there's the converse of that, which is the Buddhists who, to be spiritual, they shave their head because they don't want to have anything to distract them from the raw 
form that they should be. You know, they yeah. the hair can be vain. You can have vanity because Very you're trying vain. to look cute with your hair. And stuff. I just got a haircut. Yeah. I was starting to grow it out, and my beard was up to here, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm in that mode. I'm gonna get the spiritual mode. I don't cut my hair. I don't cut my beard for years. And then I was like, oh, but I'm in the U.S. I should get one more really cute haircut Just one more. Before, <laughs> before I go to live with my teacher in this ashram in the middle of, you know, out in the countryside right, near Mysore. So is this your last cute haircut before? I could say the last one was. Sure. And then here I got another one this week. So Right. <laughs> right. We don't know how much longer we're going to be here in Arizona. Right. Yeah. Well, but whenever so I feel be- spiritual, I always want my hair long. Sure. Mm. When I'm in that mode, I never, I don't want to shave and I don't care. And if I were dating someone or whatever and they have an issue with that, I'm like, well, then you don't care about me. Because me has nothing to do with where my hair is on my body, you know, and mm-hmm. how it looks as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. The, my being is, is the same always. I like girls with armpit hair, I think, for that reason. Because <laughs> they're just leaving it alone? Yeah, just letting it be the true well, physical expression. when I was studying Kundalini Yoga, there was hair, <clears throat> body hair. Even trimming, like shaving pubic hair, which women are doing so much nowadays and stuff. Well, men men too. also, yeah, yeah. Men shave their pubic hair. Yeah, too. I don't, I don't like that though. Yeah. <laughs> but if, wherever you shave off your hair, it disimbalances the hormones in that area of your body. So your endocrine system, like your thymus gland, is here, is affected by your armpit hair. Uh-huh. Your thyroid and your pituitary are affected by your facial hair. Yeah. Wow. Your pubic hair affects your um, your prostate gland and all yeah. that stuff. I don't know how true that is. I never did the research because Yogi Bhajan said a lot of things. Yeah, Yogi's, a lot of people. Yeah, there's a whole book this lady wrote now about, you know, the things he claimed were truth and real. Who was this? Yogi Bhajan, who started Kundalini Yoga. Yogi Bhajan, yeah. Kundalini Yoga. You know, the yogis have, have, have made some claims a time or two that have, may have been a stretch from reality. Yes. Well, but that's their reality. Yeah, sure. maybe they're. So everybody has their own. Everybody has their own. Reality. So you don't have to agree with it, and if you fight against it, sure. No, I'm not saying I disagree with it. I think you're totally onto that. In fact, here, here, I'm going to connect this broadly here to the theme of the podcast: capitalism put on the constraints of body hair yes. to influence the subtle energetic levels of the physical body to control and manipulate. People. I don't know that they're that smart. Maybe at one point <laughs> no. they are. Maybe at one point they were, but I don't think now I they're that theory. smart. I don't know now anymore. I, I think the it's the standard. The, the CIA mean, tapped into this, like, some yogi ancient knowledge back in the day, and they've known about it for a long time. They're like, wait, I, we know how to control people. And that was the yeah. year 1950. Possibly, yeah. That's an interesting 50s theory. is when things shifted here in this right. country, that's for sure. 50s, yeah, we're definitely, I mean, after the 50s, we entered the last 50 years of, what was before the age of Aquarius, the age of Pisces, um, the age of delusion. And yeah, I think after the 50s, a lot, a, I think a lot of the, our current reality started after the 50s. Like a lot of like oh, yeah. fighting for human rights that was, and stuff like that. That was like my that. mom was born. She's a good example well, of that's it. She's po- relaxed now. That's the post-nuclear age, right? right? We, after we dropped the atomic bomb, we entered into this, like, the craziest time of they the They called it history. the atomic age or something right. like that, yeah. You could even think about that as, like, a peak of some sorts, like a peak of the age of delusion. Like a... I don't know if we're done with it yet. I mean, Oof. look at the shit. I hope we look are. Look at the oh shit. <laughs> I think it's worse now. It's been building up now. But that's the whole idea of the Kali Yuga, you know, the, this year, this age 
of destruction yeah. that we're going through, and then you come to the Treta Yuga, which is when it all gets reborn into a new angelic place of being. Can you so, speak to that a little more? Yeah, talk what about you, Kali a little bit, because um, well, Kali Yuga. This isn't about the goddess, though. This is about the. They have in Hinduism cosmology, they have it broken down into this many hundreds of thousands of years is this age, and then sure. this age, and then this age, and there's similar to the Mayan calendar. But it doesn't end like okay. the Mayan calendar ended in 2012 or whatever. <laughs> now they think it didn't end. I watched a guy speculating that we th- he thinks we've read it wrong. It we didn't it say wrong. it ended. And I'm like, well, it okay. obviously wasn't right because right. it didn't end. Oh, I know. 2012. The Kali Yuga is, I mean, Kali is the goddess of. She, so I used to always say, when I, you know, when you first come to yoga, what do you see? Ganesh. Ganesh is everywhere. He's everywhere. Happy little fat belly with an elephant head. Some, some He's a remover of obstacles. We as Americans don't really know what that means. No. That doesn't remover really mean anything to us. I mean, that's the, we, the Because thing, we don't realize that our obstacles are in our head. You we know? don't realize it in our head because we're too much in our head thinking. Right. And we can't see outside of it. Right. No, I thought it was, admittedly, when I came to yoga practice, when I was like eight, I, I, I first did yoga to a DVD, like when I was like 18. But still, like, going into studios, looking it up online and stuff like that, you would encounter, like, the weird, you know, what I thought at that time was, like, weird chanting stuff mm. and, like, gods and goddesses. Mm. And I'm like, what is all this? And it's very off-putting to, like, the average American to, like, just be like, okay, I'm going to yoga class and then just be instantly greeted by, like, a giant elephant in the room. And it's like, okay, we're going to say this name a hundred times, a hundred eight times. We're going to chant this. hundred eight times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, but then his dad is Shiva, who is the next level of destruction, right? Sure. He destroys everything. That's his job as the trimurti, the three heads, the preserver and the destroyer and the creator. He's the destroyer. That's his job. And then the mother is Kali, you know, Parvati, but Kali is her darkest form. She's over here. You don't call on her because when she comes in, she completely flattens every fucking thing. And then it has to be reborn in front, you know. Shiva will come in and destroy you. Ganesh will come and like pick your brain and make you, but Shiva will destroy you. But Kali will come in and flatten the whole fucking oh, planet. Wonderful. You know, I was wonderful. So, okay, so <laughs> Kali might be the 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 goddess of destruction we need to get rid of capitalism. That's probably. what they say now is the time for goddess worship because of the bringing in the matriarchal side, the feminine mm-hmm. side again. Anyway, to everyone, not just empowering physical women, but for us to identify that we have that in us also, but also. Uh, it's time for the systems we have to be flattened and to be imploded and completely rebuilt yes. in a new way. And that's... Because they're broken. They're everywhere. Functioning. I was thinking about... I was, I'm, I'm more down on the U.S. than I am most places because I, I left for a reason. But it's, 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 it's in <laughs> India. They, you know, their, their prime minister pisses a lot of people off and does some of the stuff like Trump. But he does other things that some Hindus are happy with. But he's also allowing, uh, you know, Muslims and Christians to get their shit beat out of them in the street without making charges against them, you know, because he's pro-Hindu. So then there's people, each each country in Europe has their own little thing that is going on with the people, the people of France hate that guy that I can't remember his name, but you know what I mean? There's just, it's everywhere. The whole planet has this going on. So it's yeah. coming to a head. Yes. And it it's is. like, what happens when the zit comes to a head? Well, you can't stand it anymore. And no, you, you gotta you pop, pop it. that motherfucker. You, <laughs> pop you don't just leave it sitting there. Pop the zit. It'll pop on its own if you don't pop it. So if yeah, you take a little control, you can pop it on your own. Has anyone ever yeah. let a zit just go? Like, not touch it? Um, 
I know people who do. Yeah, but they're weird. I, I don't done understand that it because I pop mine. I pop them right away. I don't really have them anymore. No, so I don't either. I did for years. I had a really unhealthy lifestyle. <laughs> now I, Will you tell us about your unhealthy lifestyle? You've shared this before, but who were you before you became... I think I'm the same person. Sure. I think I think we're all the same person like through time, throughout our lifetime, but it's through discipline of some sort of practice that we kind of hone ourselves and rein ourselves in. Like me, I no longer drink beer every night, but tonight's Friday. We're not doing a Stanga practice tomorrow morning, and I got myself three nice German beers that I'm going to have tonight. <laughs> I don't I quit drinking because I didn't have the off switch. And my thing was drinking. I had tried acid, and I did acid in the late 80s, and then it became unavailable. We bought it from this drag queen who um, was very famous. She had won a lot of national titles, and she was going through a sex change at the time. We didn't know it, but I found out later. And she died of HIV. And after she passed away, no one could get us acid. <laughs> and then her little drag daughter started getting us acid. And then it came, sometimes she'd have it, sometimes she wouldn't. And then finally I was like, I'm just done. I'm not going to worry about this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably the worst thing I had. Shrooms I do, I've still done shrooms. You know, I don't think shrooms are a bad thing because they're natural and they have, mm-hmm. I think. It's from the earth. Well, they, but they have no, yeah. properties that help you evolve into the no. direction you're, you know. They feel more like a hug. They feel a little bit more nurturing. That last one I did was didn't feel hug. Sometimes it's not a hug. No. Sometimes, okay, <laughs> sometimes, but sometimes it's a shove. A hug like comes in the form of a, a slap in the face. Yeah. <laughs> no, some of the most healing spiritual experiences I've had have been on psilocybin. Right. And I think it's quite a medicine. I oh, think people are realizing that now. Definitely. Right. right. That's um, the thing. That's the thing now, though, is people finding the nature's medicines from the different areas like ayahuasca and, yeah. and, well, and psilocybin and was, mushrooms. And, people have always been using those medicines right. and then they came out for a long time and now they're creeping back in but there's all this policy around them and everything That's the like Christian that. stuff. Yeah. It's all the Christians stuff. taking control of it. All the Christians taking control. The Christian Puritan culture of the United States have just like dominated its ideology for so long and have made it impossible for like other ideologies to to come to come forth and i think like that's i think is broadly what we're fighting fighting today is like just the remnants of like christian Purita- puritanism that came over from england like in the 1600s and well it didn't start there but that was just right. where it got that's probably its highest form there sure because they they tried to they owned or controlled most of the planet at one time oh yeah this little bitty island fucking <laughs> I'm England like, is terrible. And they're not even really tough people. I don't understand how they did all this. No, they, they had, were like, just vitamin D deficiency. Yeah. <laughs> and they sit at pubs and drink a lot. You know, they're very right. They're, they're just. I lo- I have a lot of British friends, so I don't want to piss anybody off. But they're, you know, in general, I'm like, how did this little wimpy island can control everybody on the planet? At one well, point? I have a lot of American friends, and and I have to say, we're all not too happy with America. No, we're all not too happy. If there's an English listener Being. out there um, that wants to speak to this, you're welcome to come on the podcast to just bash your country with us. So <laughs> you're more than welcome. Or, well, yeah. they'll probably bash our country. They'll bash, yeah. we'll bash Everyone America on the planet too. right now is bashing our country. Every, so. Yeah, it's so weird. I've been yes. calling it. I've been questioning calling it the United States recently. 
I'll say oh, that. Not, and I'll be like, oh, the United States. I'm like, wait, the, you, I just we're say, not united. I just say the U.S. And in India, I got so used to everyone. Everyone there calls it America, but America is the whole continent. You know, that includes mm. Mexico. Mm-hmm. That includes Honduras. All you the know, Americas. that includes um, Canada. It's mm-hmm. not just so. I say the U.S. or the USA. I don't say the United States. I just say the U.S. Well, that's an interesting. It's that's a good. It's an interesting topic because. Um, so I took this class last year called Latin American Race Rights and Revolution. It was awesome. awesome uh, the teachers class. were great. Super. Well, I think they were super progressive. I took it by extension. Yeah, we had some great conversations off of that content. It was the first time that I realized, okay, and I'm half Latina. It was the first time I realized. That's from Venezuela. How, like, kind of fucked up it is that it's, like, America, then Central America, then Latin, or then South America, and then all of that is Latin America, but they didn't even speak Latin, <laughs> when they were colonized like it, it's it's yeah. total leftovers of colonization and well, I if you do it by continental plates it's south america and north america there's only two and uh-huh. latin america central america both uh-huh. are part of north america uh-huh okay mm-hmm. but because the continental plates are i just watched a thing the other day okay with, I was, with, tell us more about continental iceland, plates, iceland has a continental plate that goes through the middle of it so you can be standing on the north american plate uh-huh or you can hop, you have to, they built a bridge now because it's about, it keeps moving about a, so many parts of an inch each year. Oh. Now it's about 20 feet, the bridge. And this is the one, it's the Russian, uh, whatever they used to call it, the, the European plate. plate. I thought you knew about this. Come on. I just watched it. <laughs> I mean, it was on, it was on Zac Efron's thing on oh, Netflix. Okay. Oh, okay, I saw that again. watched that. The yeah. Zac Efron one. looks so hot preview. in that. Oh my God. He is hot. Oh, yeah. I think Josh yeah, kind of looks a little bit like Zac Efron. Kiana thinks I look like Zac Efron. He's just not built like him. Mm. Well, Zac Efron doesn't do Ashtanga. <laughs> I don't Zac know Efron, that, actually. Zac Efron, do you do Ashtanga? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, know. But I just liked, I watched the whole series because there was so much info on every, on different parts of things. Like, wow. Because th- that was, that, that episode was about Iceland and how they use all the geothermic stuff for all the power on their whole island, you know? And then I'm interested in Iceland because the Vikings, that was the last place they settled. Mm-hmm. I bumped it. That was the last place they settled. So they still had, their language is still as close to the Old Norse as, mm. it, as any other language that, wow. where they had settled before. Yes. And Iceland, the people are really cool, and they do believe in elves. You have to watch, the, if you have Netflix, you have to watch the Eurovision movie. <laughs> and his girlfriend believes in elves, and she prays to them, and all of a sudden the elf kills someone who's getting ready to kill him. Oh, sure. No, elves and shit. Um, they they no, believe you know, in gnomes and trolls. And <coughs> There's Mexican gnomes. They're called duendes. Yeah. Duendes. And I, and I swear my, my uh, Latinx friends have told me about it. My, I used, my old roommate, who's a Mexican... Um, and he's here on DACA. I, 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 so, so I'm sorry. I'm kind of stumbling right now. It's, it's so, the word Mexican is loaded, and I mean that. He's a man from Mexico. He's a Mexican. Anyways. We know what that means. He told me about the Duendes, and I was like, it blew my mind. I was like, well, what? I mean, there's I actually like, like little that. That's the place so. where, like, the, the older culture is still there, and the Christians tried to go in. Yeah. But they had to blend to make it work, which mm-hmm. is what I discovered here when I got here. Yeah. Is the, like, um... San Javier Mission is the f- they have a symbol that's not on any Catholic church or allowed on any Catholic church on the whole rest of the planet because that was how they s- got the local tribe to start coming yeah and the local tribe has their own little uh, rituals that they 
interjected into the church rituals, you know? Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of a blend rather than a takeover. And if, you know, like in the dark ages, the Catholics killed everybody and burned you at the stake if you didn't convert, you know? They were like, okay, let's blend. And that's what they did here. But yeah. that just happened to be because of that father, whatever, Kino. Father Kino. Actually was a little bit more progressive. Right. Than, progressive as one could be in the 1400s. In those times, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. um... This might be a hot take here. I, no, never mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it like the Catholics did it. But the I think the yogis and or and all the peaceful-minded people, we just need to start like going around like imposing our ideology on everybody <laughs> around the world. It's like you have to be peaceful and like force them to be peaceful. Yeah, like, and then they're gonna rebel against right. it because people <laughs> want to feel angry when they feel angry. That's the thing That's is. A bad when idea. I, that was another thing that was proposed to me when I first started all this is. It's about critical mass, and that's also a concept in um, uh, quantum physics. Mm -hmm. When you get a critical mass of people who feel a certain way, then the tide shifts. Then it shifts, right? You get so you, you just have to do. But the only person you have control over is you. So you have to do the best you can do with yourself, and then you might meet a partner who is also doing that same thing. And so then you create a bigger energy field right. around the two of you. Mm -hmm. Then you have a group of friends, say 10, 10 people. And, you all and that's, the your, little, that's right. your new energetic bubble that moves out. You know, you have wow. to just slowly, you, but you have to just start with you. You, you know, they have a saying for that. that. Monkey see, monkey do. No, because oh. that can also go the other way. <laughs> that well, can also go the other way. I, uh, so that's, that, that's a cool point because like, that's part of the reason we wanted to start this podcast is like Josh and I are just, you know, like local, we're in like the local progressive leftist community yeah, here. Yeah, like we're both yoga teachers here in the community. And we're also that, both was prior, that was prior COVID. We haven't taught public yoga classes in a while. But. Uh, so yeah, we're also both yoga teachers and like what we notice is there are, are a lot of people who do yoga and there are a lot of people who are like active in um, like the politics and like the social happenings here yeah, as like a community. They're politically socially minded. But a lot of those people don't cross into, you know, so I love that they, point. Yeah, they don't get into like the serious aspects of yoga practice. I, I think that's what we've seen like in like the progressive community is like an absence of whether it be yoga practice or spirituality practice broadly. And um, that uh, that's not like the not the goal of this podcast is to like to get leftists to meditate and you know well but see the yogis also left society to do this those things on their own and lived in a cave sure. they weren't trying to convert anybody else right they were trying to take care of themselves and get in the best place they could but there's also a concept of in India I can't remember the right word I, I saw it the other day of these people who do it and get so energetically powerful that they create a vortex there and then people will come and learn from them and then move out. And then that takes, you know what I mean? Yeah. That takes that energy with them to wherever they're going. Sure. That yeah. kind of thing. Well, um, like what I was getting at is like when we talk about revolution right now, there's a self, you know, I wouldn't want to say self maybe, but there's like an individual aspect of that that I think there's like an, I think a lot of people are realizing right now that there's an internal revolution that needs to happen before we can really share that thinking and that feeling with other people. Um, or maybe not before, but alongside at the very least, you know, there's this well, internal people revolution. people have gotten of, complacent and that, yeah, that revolution to happen inside has to destroy that complacency. 
-hmm. you have to have something that bothers you so much they're willing to shatter your little bubble you know Mm -hmm. yeah and, and I, I think, think <laughs> I think most people are having that happen now. Right, right. There's a things lot are bothering, bothering so people. much, so much. There's well, a lot like of discomfort, and it's forcing people. I think it's forcing me at least to look inside and say, like, okay, there's some things I need to change in here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yoga practice, I, I, I think is such a wonderful uh, vehicle to make that happen. Is, is to bring about that change, to, to expand the awareness so much right. to where people finally see, where they realize, like, oh, look, look at this terrible, awful systemic issue of right. homelessness in my city. I right. see it all around me. Right. Wow, this is a big problem. Right. And these, these um, trails of thought, these, like, ideas are not as disconnected as I think a lot of us, at least in this country, I grew up here. I, I think a lot of us think that like science and spirituality, we think it's separate, but it's really not that separate. Well, people are trained to look. We said that earlier too. Right. We keep We're going t- back to earlier points, but we haven't had a conclusive. I think. No, we haven't. That's <laughs> okay. We're just podcasting so, here. So just let it roll. Next time, no, but podcasts usually have a like they do. An outline. But I'm this is saying, so, this is Aylin's a fury, baby. Right. There ain't no outline just here. For We're future, here? you might have a guideline. Yes, <laughs> I, I have a mental guideline, no, but which this, I this have because we do down. keep going back to the same points. Mm-hmm. Um, We're practicing. What'd you say? Say it again. I, I said, you know, spirituality and science—they're not so separate. Well, and that's, but the search for spirituality was science, and mm-hmm. that created the separation. Mm-hmm. But what people have to do is quit allowing that training to look for the differences in us to see the unity and start seeing the similarities between us even if it's just a physical thing oh we look alike oh we have the same skin tone then that can give you a common ground and the next thing then you start talking and you realize oh we have some similar ideas you know rather than looking for the difference that's the biggest thing with the racist stuff that goes on in this country is they look at the black person and think Oh, they can't possibly be like us. They look like that, and they lived in a jungle and everything. And right. They live over there. They're different. I, I don't agree with that. The guy mm-hmm. I'm dating is black. You know, I, I've always kind of dated darker people, but I believe it's because somewhere in my, if I was reborn or whatever, <clears throat> I, I've been lived in all those places, and I have an immediate connection with, like, India. I know I've been there before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a connection that's in something in me, and when I got there, I felt home, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, oh my gosh, that's, let's just take a moment and, like, feel how beautiful of a thought that that is. Like, that how, I'm reading this book right now called Teachings on Love um, by Thich Nhat Hanh, mm. and it's basically I saying that in order to become peaceful, like, to radiate peace, you need to learn to love yourself and everyone and everything. And that is just a step-by-step process of transforming the hate and the anger and the negativity we feel inside, transforming those seeds slowly into seeds of love and support and joy and connectedness. So transforming this disconnect slowly like into connectedness. I just think that that's such a beautiful thought. Like, that's comforting yeah. to well, me. That's you know? revolutionary. That well, really yeah. is. I mean, because Bo- that's Buddhism, though. Buddhism sure. is, instead of reacting, which we in the West react to everything that happens. I'm us. reacting right now. Right. <laughs> but Buddhism is to, rather than react, you sit and look at it, observe it, and notice it's there, but that's not me. That's just something I'm seeing that's coming up in this body. 
how do I deal with that? And it's figuring out how to deal with that, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than just becoming it. But sometimes you just have to become it. You mm-hmm. have to feel it. But it doesn't mean you have to go kill anybody or do anything, which a lot of people allow to happen too. So lots of people are like wanting to become to do violence right now, and that's like, and that terrifies me as as like a uh, a spiritual practitioner in this world, like. And also just a young person. And also just a young person trying to exist. Like uh, the uh, this this idea of like mass cultural systemic violence like terrifies me. And um, a, a part of uh, starting this podcast was a re- is is a response to that and deliberately wanting to put out peace and like good good intention. But to get to the peace, you have to embrace what you're feeling. You know. Certainly. And some people push at it so hard, which we had talked about earlier too. They push at it so hard that because they're scared of those bad feelings. Rather than just letting them be there, let them wash over you and feel it. Be sad and cry. I was meditating this morning and I cried mm-hmm. because I just felt sad about a couple things, and they had been triggered by whatever this thing was that happened that made me feel worse. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's okay, and I felt better for having felt it rather than pushed it away. No, no, I can't feel you right now. Yeah, I need to be okay when this podcast comes. I, you know, when they get here, I, right. I'm better probably because I sat there and cried, right. you know. We, we talked about goddess worshiping cultures a little bit and, um, and how, about how like some are saying that bringing back goddess worshiping culture will bring back this um, tie to matriarchy that we really need right now. Mm. And um, something, I, I just read this book called Goddess Wisdom by Tanishka. Um, I, I really recommend it. I was... It was a good book. Just Tanishka? Tanishka. It's, it's their, like, spiritual name. Oh, okay. Um, and what Tanishka was saying was that something that's so radically different about goddess-worshipping um, communities is that they embrace the shadow side. They embrace this, like, dark emotional side right. to, to really, like, feel feel into it. That's how Kali got her name because Kala is also means black. Oh. But not the color black. It means the color black, but it also means the darkness. It's the darkness inside. Yeah. And there's beauty in that, yeah. right? I mean I Where there's darkness there is also light. Yeah, there seriously is. Um you can't have light without the darkness. You can't there and so Tanishka in the book told told stories about um these old stories about like um, I guess you would call them like stories about goddesses and like how they became what they were. And mm. there was this one, and I don't remember the names. If anyone's listening and they're like, oh, County, you're butchering this right now, feel free to correct me. But how I remember it was that there was this one goddess who took a soul descent journey into the underworld and came back. And the goddess's partner was she had changed because she went through her soul descent journey Mm. and came back and so she went on in the second time this time with her partner and said you need to go along with this you need to experience the darkness so that you can change and so that we can keep going through this life together and so they travel down to the underworld together and I don't remember what happens next um but yeah that was the point right a Greek mythology story similar like that with Persephone I think that was it her mother was the um oh Amazon her mother was the oh, Amazon, an Amazon delivery. Um, she, Is that your she, Amazon package? She gets deliveries all the time. Mm. Ah. She orders stuff all the time. Um, 
Well, I'll, I'll allow it. We'll, um, we'll save Amazon. We'll grill Amazon another time. Her mother was Ceres, the mm-hmm. pasta place that you guys sent me to, the Hi. goddess of the harvest. And she, Hades had a thing for her, and he kind of stole her down there. And she was changed by that. But at the point when she came back, her mother couldn't not turn around and look at her, so she did, and then she had to spend half the time down there. But, the, but through that process, she started becoming a darker version of herself and was okay with that and had to deal you know she became a different person mm-hmm. um there's a lot of greeks greek mythology is how i started with all this stuff because mm, i was really? like 10 when the original clash of the titans came out sure <laughs> it just came on netflix right I'm gonna, I was just, I was just I'm gonna watch it like... because i just saw that it came and i'm like oh, i have to watch that <laughs> um yeah i think that's that's really beautiful i would wager to say that the more struggle that I go through, I think the more, I mean, and this is my idea of beauty, but the more, like, beautiful I become mm. on the inside. Because I think, I don't know, something about it, the way life just kind of batters and wears you, and, and if you're open to it, teaches you lessons, you know? And I, I feel that. Like, I felt all of the really hard times in my life have just taught me the best lessons, and I've been able to, like, better my life from that, actually. Mm-hmm. Like I well, I, I don't even know, for me, I don't even know if it betters the life or it makes you okay with where you are because that stuff is so bad or feels That's so dark <laughs> that you're like, I'm here and I'm still here, but I feel better about being here now because that's worse, you know, yeah. whatever that is, what, you know. Yeah. It's a, that's a thing in the villages of India. They're still basically matriarchal. They have always a goddess that they worship in each different village. And in Bengal, it's really Kali is where she's from. Um, and parts of Tamil Nadu, which is the south, they, the women still don't wear shirts, uh, have their hair hanging. They don't have it tied up. Oh, well, their wait. boobs hang out and they wear wraps around their waist like the men do. Oh, cool. Because they're in the village. But if you get into the city, it's not like that. Sure. The city then... Well, the cities were affected by the the Persian trade route. They called it the Silk Road yeah, yeah, yeah. from Persia that came over. And as the Persians came in, and then the Islamic Muslim, the Muslims came in, then that changed and became patriarchal in the north, and that slowly spread to the south. Mm, that makes sense. But a lot, of, So a lot of the Kali worship is underground now. Wow. Because Even now to today? Hmm? Through today, it's underground now? Wow. I mean, it's not underground, but it's like there are three... You know, Vaishnavite, Vishnu worshippers, Shaivite, Shiva worshippers, or Shakta people who worship the goddess. And you will never hear someone ever say they're a Shakta worshipper, mm. ever. When I say it, people are like, oh. Because oh. they don't say that there. The, there's the saying that's popular now is, in public you worship Vishnu, because Vishnu is happy, Krishna. He makes everything look a certain way, right. but it's not the real way. In, in private, which is in your home with your family, you worship Shiva, but not, that's not the right word, not in private. In public, you worship Vishnu. In your home, you worship Shiva, and in private, you worship the mother. Kali. Right. Any, any, in, the, in true Kali worship, any goddess you're talking about is Kali. Just that's her little name that that village calls her, you know? Oh, wow. okay. The so Earth powerful. Mother? Is that, could that also be hmm? the Earth? Like Mother that, Earth, yeah. Yeah, Mother Earth. Yeah. Mother. Yeah. That, yeah, that matriarch. Well, the, I mean, the Earth birthed us. Right. 
So that is the mother. The mother is just the creative energy, right? The mm -hmm. creative aspect of everything. It, it, you know, a man can shoot his sperm on the ground and it does nothing, right? But if you have a, a encounter with a woman and it blends with her fluids and you guys create a baby, right? Right. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It's just the energy of that, that creative energy wow. is the mother. It's the mother. But she can also take you down, too, you know? Oh, mm -hmm. certainly. You know? Mother Earth, she'll kill you. You know? in any aspect not just the earth aspect but sure. the earth for sure yeah the earth definitely. I think the earth here is trying to kill us all the, the fucking time the earth actively is trying to kill things in uh, Tucson, Arizona in the summertime I think so going off that point like in that way it's almost in my mind revolutionary to say okay you know I'm whatever religion that um, worships a male dominant figure male bodied figure I think also alongside that, let's add some female female bodied worship in there because that's like necessary, right? I mean, call it what you will, call it Kali, the Earth Mother, something creative, generative, like matriarchal in that in that uh, nurturing way. Mm. I think that's like very important. Well, it's, it's when I went to Kamakia last year. Kamakia is where the yoni, so the story of Shiva. Do you guys know all that stuff or not? So Shiva's wife was Sati, his first wife. And Sati is what a couple of my Ashtanga friends call me. <laughs> <laughs> they don't name Sati. their kids that because committing Sati means killing yourself because mm. Sati burned herself alive because her father pissed her off so much because he wouldn't let her invite her husband to his, his um, fire ceremony. His barbecue? Oh. Shiva was her husband. Oh. Not a barbecue, fire <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> And so she did that because she was so mad at her her father that either she, there's many versions of it, either she burned herself from the inside out from her anger or she threw herself on the fire because she wanted to hurt him so badly. Mm -hmm. Shiva came and found the body and was so distraught that he ripped off one of his hairs in Virabhadra, Virabhadrasana, became, the warrior came out of this dreadlock and slaughtered Daksha, wow. which is the son of Brahma, um, her father. So, um, anyway, it's about her yoni. So he's so anyway, distraught. About her yoni. He's yoni so means vagina for anyone so that doesn't know that. He's so distraught because his wife that he was, you know, and he never let himself out of his ascetic shell, you know. When he did with her and he did it again with Parvati, Parvati was a reincarnation of Sati. That's the only reason he did it. So he carried her dead body over his back and was mourning and walking around for thousands of years. And the gods were all like, okay, she was not doing his job, right? He's not destroying the things as we need it. You know, we may need this destroyed, that destroyed, and he's not doing anything because he's sad. So Vishnu slowly followed him around and with his discus cut off pieces of her body. Each place a body part fell, there's a goddess worship temple for her form. And so that's that whole northeast area. There's all Kali worship and stuff. Mm. Wow. And the Yoni fell at Kamakya in Assam in the northeast. And if you look at my Facebook uh, cover photo, that's the Kamakya Temple. It's the most, I can think about it and almost cry. It's the most energetic, pure, but strong energy that I've ever felt in my life. Wow. And there's 10 goddess temples surrounding it for all the fierce versions of the goddess. Wow. Um, You're saying that and you've meditated at a place where they've been burning bodies for 7,000 They burn bodies. They have a god here also. Oh, but wow. But the god here oh. has hedras, which are men who have had their balls cut off as eunuchs and live as women, dressed as women. 
and they do the b- body burning there. Wow. I want to hear more wow. about <laughs> that. So wow. the, um, that blew my mind. This area is so intense. What, what did you say that made me start? I lost my train of thought. That made me start thinking about going there, talking about it. Goddess. About her yoni. <laughs> but I mean, oh, this is what this is what it was. I got it. So when we went there, me and my friend went there. We got off the plane, and the guy who we had been chatting with online, who is an initiated priest within this temple, but he has started a library to collect all of the information about goddess worship and stuff in this library. He said, "I'm leaving in the morning at 5 a.m. So you come straight from the plane to my place, and we'll have a talk." And when we got there, he was like telling us different stuff and the they don't really have like um, carved versions of the of the gods like they do in other temples they're all just mounds because it's all the yonis of these gods goddesses they're just a mound and water naturally flows over all of them so they're always wet um, he said but this isn't what a place you'll call hindu because hinduism is a new name this is a place that was here before that happened this is about just worship and energy and this place is a special place wow. and I he told us that and I was getting chills like yeah. with my hair standing up thinking about it I'm feeling but it but when right we now. got to the hotel our hotel was right next to the main temple and we just walked into the temple like with our eyes and our jaws on the ground because we were like I don't know what I'm feeling here but this is I need to be here right now and I, I was supposed to be there now because they have a ceremony in June Aww. for three days where the, the iron in the earth turns the water red, so they celebrate her menstruation. Oh, wow. And that so all that water is, so is red that's going beautiful. over all these, all these yonis. Oh, wow. And I was going to go to that, but here I am. You yeah. Know. Um, well, you're wearing a red shirt right now. I wear red every day because of that. I, do you see, I like the color red, I yeah. think, for a reason. I know, but yet you had to buy a red shirt to come to my birthday party, I heard. <laughs> no, I didn't have to buy a red shirt. I had that shirt. Okay. Everybody told me they had to buy a shirt. Oh, really? All of us wore red to Satinder's birthday party <laughs> in for, for evoking Kali, right? Ma. Let's call her Ma. Mother. Ma. Um, I just want to take a moment after hearing that story because I think for a lot of my life I would hear things like that. And, of course, as a kid. My mind is open, you know. I want to believe all of the interesting stories that I hear. Mm. But as I grow up in this um, the place called North America, that kind of gets got beaten out of me a bit. Um, not literally, but... Not literally. Luckily, but... Um, culturally. Culturally, yeah, just kind of knocked out of me of, like, no, you know, stories like that... How could it be possible that someone's vagina could have lasted that long? And We have all these questions, right. but I think it's important to notice when we're telling ourselves that stuff, that's, that's the patriarchy. That's that, oh, no, that science mindset of, no, you have to prove everything you feel. Right. And it's like, no, we don't. I'm not saying you have to believe in everything you hear, but I'm saying it. Maybe if something's intriguing to me, yeah. it makes me feel good to hear, well, or just gives me this sense of wonder. Right. Then that's the way you want to be is that open minded, open sense of feeling of wonder. Then I Aww. choose to believe it. Yeah. Right. Like as a kid, like when we were talking about elves and gnomes just now, like lately I've been um, 
on hikes and stuff, I'll just like bend down really low to the ground and like look at all the tiny little plants that are growing out of the ground, like those little weeds that just spring out. And I just like picture fairies <laughs> like flying through them because why not? Like I, I well, can just But when see you that. start to embrace, like for me, it's not about worshiping an actual yoni that's in the ground. It's about the idea of the, what it means, the symbology of what it means. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the energy of creation is at this place, you know? And when every thousands of people are going there daily visiting this place, they take that belief with them so that creates this big energy field there, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you come there later, you can feel it and it kind of slowly converts you. Wow, yeah. <clears throat> it's not about that, but it's like when you start to embrace the magical side of things rather than the rational mental side of things the magical side I think is what I call when you're feeling it with your heart rather than your head then you start to see that kind of stuff everywhere you know I walk when I take my hikes I talk to the talk to the earth I talk to Kali as the earth if there's water near it's easier because water oh, yeah. always makes me feel more there's something magical feminine, about just being by yes, water divine oh. feminine energy because everywhere in the midwest there's creeks everywhere you right. know there's always water somewhere you know, we would have a lot of water here in southern Arizona, like the river that runs right through town. That has no water. That in. has no water, but at one point did, and it was it, got, it went away as recently as, like, God, I want to say, like, the 40s or 50s or something. And it's because of, uh, largely because of cattle ranching here in the western United States and water well, resources being depleted. Well, also because people in this town also are because sucking of up the water. Yes, also because mm-hmm. the one million there's people a, that there's live there's in There's a Tucson river area. 90 not far from here that this guy showed me a picture of and I want to go to that fucking river because I need some water. It's not that, it's just Salt before river. Phoenix. No, some different, Santa Cruz? No, so the Santa Cruz? not Santa Cruz. Um, I can't remember. It's the Salt River. No, it's not the name of it. The Gila River? No. I'll have to, t- I'll have to look it up. There's water south of here. It's Winkle. It's Winkleman. Is Winkleman. Winkleman is where the, t- the camping town, the spot is the camp, it's on the river. I think that's the Gila. Okay. I think those are the waters that flow from the Gila in New okay. Mexico. Yeah, because it goes near to um, it's like east? Phoenix. It's not far from Phoenix. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I, I do that too. But that's when I started seeing, I was like s- for two months seeing a roadrunner every day in this town. Wow. And, okay, I've lived here for 22 mm. years. I've never seen a roadrunner set in dirt. Ne- how do you never you see a roadrunner? You've They're totally everywhere. They're, I've they seen come a roadrunner with you. So what? anyway, I Googled it, and I'm like, what does this mean? And everything here comes up when you Google it as, like, the totem of that thing, because uh-huh. it's the native way of saying it. That The totem of a roadrunner means you are not seeing and appreciating the magic that is in your life. Wow. And so I had to start relaxing, because mine comes with tension here, and then I stop, and I'm, like, getting rational Back and thinking. But if I can relax that and feel less tension there, then I can start to see the fairies and the, you know, the yeah. little things. And so one day I was like, I hadn't seen a roadrunner for a while. And I saw one when I got to this park that's close to the house. I, I was meeting my friend there f- f- every day for a walk because he's a little older um, and kind of needed my goading to go for the walk. But there was a roadrunner that day and I was like, oh, I haven't seen a roadrunner for like three weeks. And it flew. They don't fly very much, no. but it flew from a tree down cool. to the ground. And I was like, okay, am I not paying attention? And I think I was paying attention. It was just like they're showing me again. And then I saw another one that ran across in front of us on our walk. And then we sat down at this bench. We found one bench in the shade. 
and this one was running around like crazy, going up a tree, going around, I'm like, what is happening? And he was chasing a lizard. And then when he caught the lizard in his mouth, it was hanging like this across his beak, he walked by and strutted, really, really like, <laughs> I got this lizard, look at me. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're good. <laughs> and after that, I haven't seen, seen him very much again. And have you been seeing the magic ever since? I've been trying to stay trying open to see, to see it. Because yeah. it's yeah. hard when you're... This society is not geared toward that stuff. No, it's not. No. It's I, I, I've kind of been wondering that, too, because I, I feel like I go through times where like I'm really walking in with like that, that oneness and being really connected to the large spirituality of it. And then I get pulled out of it, and I, I get pulled into this like anxious, reactive state and <coughs> like absorbed into social media, absorbed into like everything and I feel just absolutely batshit insane like often like looking at the world feeling feeling these feelings inside my body and then on top of that being stuck in my house like not having that's why I go out every day it's sure. just right now this last two weeks has summer been, is hard is so hot. summer like, is so I'm, hard I, I'm like it's 102 I'm going I can't I can't yeah. stay in the house it's any like, longer yeah it's, I'm by myself all the time so I you know that's already can be drive people crazy. Sure. For me, it doesn't bother me so much. But Some, it's like summer in Tucson is like a hard winter. I need elsewhere. to go for and be in nature. That helps me. So I'm like, okay, it, it's healing. We were well, we were backpacking through the Gila last week. Yeah, we, and, we were backpacking um, in the in the Gila Gila National for, Forest in southern New Mexico. Yeah, and uh, we were you know because we were just coming off of weeks of protesting and then we thought our roommate had covid so we were on like heavy isolation for like a couple like yeah, isolating in our inside. bedrooms yeah, like, like not even going into the common areas in our house and um we came off of that and we were just like we need to be out in nature for a while and we were like our only job right now is to be in the moment here and like and we were like you know I think a thought in my mind was, oh, you know, I'm not going to be active in, like, reposting, like, action stuff and, like, whatnot. And, and that's it, the stuff now I've you've been, been posting more than I've ever seen you posting. Because I you've took been the time off. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but, like, I, we, we were talking amongst ourselves and we were just like, no, being out here in nature, this is the work we need to do right now. Mm. Because it regenerates ourselves. It is part of that, right? I talked about that, like, internal revolution that's happening. It, it feeds that. And then I was able to come back and, like, be more active here. So it was, it was very, well, and but it's very hard when it's 100. There's something about the desert that is like a cremation ground. It's like these burning guts where these things happen. Because it's dry and it's hot and things die out there. Everything you do is trying to fucking kill you except for these jojoba plants. They don't have thorns on them. <laughs> and uh, creosotes don't have thorns on them. No. Everything else no, but if is you trying ingest, to kill you. If you ingest creosote, it will kill you. Really? <laughs> yeah. I have oil that I use that um, it's for healing sores on your body. Exactly. Yeah. It smells really good. It yeah, smells it's amazing. a certain... There's a... There's a there's a fine line. It's a poison. Like when you, it, 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 well, it has like a poison property. I can't speak to the properties of it itself, but when you see creosote growing in the desert, there's very few other plants growing in its immediate area. Usually, it, it, it establishes itself mm. in a certain area, and then outside of that perimeter, you'll have like choya well, cactus. Well, greasewood, the street up here, and yeah. the greasewood park that I go and I start a lot of hikes in. Greasewood is the English translation of creosote. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So it is a grease it has a wood. grease to its oil to its sap yeah. that does that in the soil. So there's a, that park is called Greasewood Park. If you go in there, there are sequaros and there are creosote, and that is pretty much it. it. Acacia is there too, but acacia also has its own 
kind of deadly. Sure. Claim, state claiming <laughs> it. State, yeah. its claim well, on the giant earth. thorns have something to do with Everything it. Everything has giant thorns here. <laughs> That's when I first it, got here and was hiking. I was like, this is awesome. I can, you know, and it was also mm, end of October. It was right. cooling it was, off. October is beautiful oh, in beautiful Tucson. Here, the mid, yeah. When I first, ninth I got here, it was 90 degrees. It was hot. Yeah. So I thought, God, is it going to be like this all winter? And then it turned great like in a week or two. But I was, I hike, I love to go, and I would go to Gates Pass and kind of hike up this hill or then go to different ones because that was the first place I was taken. Sure. You can't do that, like, because I'm used to being from the Midwest and there are trees, you know? So if I'm starting to slide down, I can grab a hold of a tree. You can't grab a hold of anything here because no. it will go through your hand. Yeah. I had a horrible jumping choya, which we have, you know, the, the white. Jumping. Jumping choya. Jumping. They come at you. It jumps at my, and my pinky toe on this foot. And I had to get my friend's car and get his, or he had to get his pliers. And we had to rip it out of my toe. <laughs> and they also, when they They're get barbed. inside They're your barbed. skin, they, they, stick. they split. I know. That's why I said rip it. My toe <laughs> ripped open to get that fucker out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <sighs> yeah. yeah. My, uh. That's. An, so you can always die here. That was my point. Is like you you can die here. So it's also a meditation on death, being in the yeah. desert. You know. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You hear well, that, everyone living in in the hot Phoenix right now, <laughs> Arizona, with COVID and everything, meditate. <laughs> yeah. If you're in Phoenix, Arizona, currently suffering I don't from coronavirus, mean with, no. <laughs> accept your existence and meditate on death, oh and surely you will suffer less. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is a, I think that will round us out nicely for this uh, podcast experience. So, Tinder, this has been a lovely, uh, it's been a lovely morning. I hope to do this again. Well, I think I, we would love to have you again because um, we're hoping to podcast on a regular basis. Like, w- w- ideally, we're going to be putting out content once a week. And then um, also on Moonday Eve. So, we're doing Moonday Hangouts. So, if you ever want to do a Moonday Hangout, where that one's going to be. More laid back. There's a Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday. So we're going to be recording Sunday Sunday night. night. We'll be recording Sunday night. Wow, that that's coming up soon. Um, So stay tuned, everyone. Um, How long? How much longer are you going to be in town for? That's still up in the air. I know. (laughs) We are banned from everywhere except for a couple islands in the Caribbean. You know. Uh, Yeah. Sachinder came here from India to teach us yoga, and then COVID happened, and then COVID happened in Arizona. Right. So, okay. Well, as long as you're here, we'll keep. As long as you're here, on. yeah, we'll we'll get you back back on because this this has been good. And um, I hope it's not terribly much longer, but who knows? Yeah. Right. Because I was supposed to go to Europe, and I have two places in Europe that I teach, and I was supposed to go there, and we can't go to the EU indefinitely. Indefinitely. indefinitely so if I fly yeah. from here, I probably just have to go straight back to India. And yeah. once I get there with my guru, I'm going to be kind of out of commission for a while. Yeah. Which will be so good for you. It'll honestly. be amazing. I'm, I'm very excited for Well, that's you. why I, in January I had a big instinct to go. And it was their, I think, 17th anniversary of this temple that he opened on their ground, on their property. And they, they built, the ashram was already there, but the, um, they built the temple to this goddess that's a version of Kali that he worships from Car- in Kerala. She has a lion head. Hmm. And... His son kept texting me, you should, you need to come. This is going to be great. And I thought, before that, I had already thought, I think I should go to India. I think I should go right Sooner now. Sooner rather than later. Um, I don't want to wait till April. But, you know, I had been paid through April, so I thought I really have to stay, talk myself out of it. But if I had gone, I would already be there with him living in kind of, mm-hmm. 
getting the experience anyway. But mm-hmm. it's I'm here for a reason. I right. think you know she kept, me, she kept me here for a reason. So so you can be on our podcast right now. Is that the whole <laughs> reason? reason. Well, on that note, uh, signing off for the first episode of Eight Limbs of Fury um, with our guest Satinder today. Um, it's been lovely and join us again soon. You can find. Um, by the way, keeping this ad free. If you, if you liked what you heard today. We made a Patreon, Eight Limbs of Fury. Eight Limbs uh, of Fury on the Patreon. We have a five, a five dollar level, an eight dollar level, and a hundred and eight dollar level. Those levels are, and I'm proud of these names. <laughs> Seeker for the five dollar level, you get access to all of our exclusive content, which will be Moonday Hangouts, Moonday Hangouts, and Q and A's, Q and A live Q and A sessions. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be doing. You'll get a discount on merchandise. We don't have merchandise rolling right now, but we're gonna do that in later. In the future, yeah, um, and then and just some other exclusive content we're gonna have out there. Okay, second to that, we have the Insurrectionist level at eight dollars, adding a little more fuel, uh, financial fuel to our fire. And then the third, for $108, $108, we have the homeowner level. The person that who has benefited so much from capitalist society. Share the wealth. Share the wealth with your other (laughs) spiritual seekers because you have done so well materially yourself. All right. And with that, we thank you, dear listener. Until next time. Thank you, Satinder. Thank you. Thank you, Satinder. Thanks for having me.